Hello, welcome back to a live edition of the Trish Regan Show. As always, we are proud to be sponsored and brought to you in part by LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com, 1-866-589-0560. That is their number. If you're interested in investing in gold or silver today, we have a special surprise coming up because Charles Thorngren, the CEO of the company, is going to be here. So I tell you that because get those questions ready. As I said, this is live. I'll be taking your questions live. He'll be taking your questions live. So that's coming up. But before we go there, welcome to the show. Make sure you subscribe and think about this. The GOP is fighting back, getting ready to actually fight fire with fire. I mean, you consider how insane, how crazy this is. Donald Trump making the point just the other day about Biden actually being dangerous to democracy. And I'll tell you this, he's right, because if one state can suddenly say, you know what, we don't like him, we don't like her, and get someone off of the ballot because of it, then who's to say that every state couldn't do that? In fact, why not Texas? I mean, Texas is pretty mad. Texas is very mad that they've got such a challenge With the immigration situation there, we've seen all the video over and over and over again. They've even had to now divert resources. Think about that. They're diverting resources from Commerce, from the Commerce Department, where you had CHP helping to control some of the trains, and they're putting it down to the border because they can't handle the influx. This is the federal government. I mean, the federal government is in way over its head. It's worse than it's ever been. There are estimates of some 8 million people that have come in just this year alone illegally. I realize, you know, people want to challenge those numbers, whatever it is. I don't care if it's a million. I don't care if it's 100,000. I don't care if it's 8 million. 8 million is bad. But the point is we're a country. We're a country for a reason. And we need borders. And we need to know who's actually here. So this is an issue in Texas, so much so that the lieutenant governor, Dan Patrick, is now saying, hey, you know what? You want to take Trump off the ballot in Colorado? Well, why can't I take him off the ballot in Texas? Thank you very much. Let's play this clip. Then the magistrate will send them back and will escort them to the border. uh, And they have a choice. They go to jail or they can go back. And if they go back and try to come back again and we arrest them again, the penalty gets even higher. We're fed up. In fact, seeing what happened in Colorado tonight, Laura, makes me think, except we believe in democracy in Texas, maybe we should take Joe Biden off the ballot in Texas for allowing 8 million people to cross the border since he's been president. Uh, Think about that. Okay, so you know what's good about this? That. Let me start first with the premise that none of it's good, right? Because Colorado never should have done what it did. And I get it. You don't want to necessarily do a tit for tat thing. But, but the reason it's important is somebody's got to expose the insanity of what has happened because Colorado did a really asinine thing. And they are costing us taxpayers again by ensuring that it's got to go to the Supreme Court. I mean, think about the wasted energy now being put onto this. But it's got to go to the Supreme Court, where likely the Supreme Court is going to say, okay, Colorado, you are way out over your skis. Way out over your skis. But in order to really help ensure 
that everybody understands how insane this is. In fact, maybe it's important that everybody look at this right now. I mean, DeSantis sort of kind of entertaining the idea down in Florida. He spoke recently about this. I mean, by the way, the guy's like, Harvard and Yale, don't hold it against him. <laughs> don't hold it against him. But he did, uh, he did get an Ivy League education as a lawyer and was part of the JAG program. So he has some understanding, shall we say, of the Constitution. And he's now starting to look at it, too, because he's like, well, this is kind of wild, right? It's wild. So I would not be surprised. And I'll play this clip for you. He's not actually coming out and saying it yet. But with Texas considering it, would Florida consider taking Joe Biden off the ballot in a fire per fire move. Let's listen to Governor DeSantis right here. Look, on all these things, what you're seeing the left do is they will use the power of the state to advance their agenda. And you see that with the Colorado Supreme Court. I mean, look, if somebody's convicted or something of of some of these things, there was no trial on any of this. They basically just said, what, you can't be on the ballot? I mean, how does that work? What's the limiting principle for that? Uh, why could, could we just say that Biden can't be on the ballot because he let in 8 million illegals uh, into the country and violated the Constitution, which he has? Uh, could we just say, oh, well, they have uh, money coming to Hunter, whatever? So, so I think the U.S. Supreme Court is going to reverse that. But, but here's the larger thing of what the left... I mean, think about all that Biden has done, both the immigration issue, letting all of these people in, which has caused a whole host of other problems that we've talked about at length. You consider even reported and what has been discovered in terms of the allegations against him from the House Oversight Committee of the money that was being infiltrated among the Biden family members originating from the likes of Romania, from Ukraine, from China, with 70 suspicious activity reports, more than 70, filed by major U.S. banks, including J.P. Morgan, his son's LLCs. And by the way, he was getting payments into his own personal accounts from his son's LLCs. I mean, this is like accounting 101. You don't do that stuff. You don't do that stuff. Moreover, you definitely don't allow your son to be collecting and running the risk of having some kind of quid pro quo business. There are a lot of things that you could go after him for right now, and there are a lot of reasons why you might say, you know what, I don't think he belongs on the ballot. Words two can play that game. Can they not? I realize Kirsty Noem out in South Dakota, she wants to be magnanimous and take the upper hand, and she th- doesn't think that she can do this. Kellyanne Conway asked her just... Uh, last night on Fox, whether or not she could actually do this. And she said, no, but, but, but remember, she's trying to be the intellectual here. She's trying to be the adult. And maybe given how this has just gotten ratcheted, maybe we don't want to be the adults. Maybe we actually, dare I say, want to fight back in a meaningful way. Because right now the Democrats are running 10 steps ahead of the Republicans. Let's watch Kirsty Noem's response to Kellyanne Conway here. Governor Nome, would you be able to bar Biden from the ballot in your state of South Dakota if, say, he violated that part of the 14th Amendment by unfreezing assets for Iran or allowed terrorists to just openly walk over the southern border? I mean, do you think that you'd have that power or your highest court would have that power? 
You know, I don't believe so. That's what is so um, interesting. It's, you know, the, the process that the court has is a balance to the, our federal government. Uh, it is a balance to our executive branch, a balance to our legislative branch. Um, you know, so us exerting the kind of influence on the court and their decisions to take that kind of action is really unprecedented. So I trust our South Dakota state laws, our constitution. It gives great guidance to us and our court system understands that their job uh, is to follow statute and give decisions based on the scales of justice. Uh, okay, so she's taking the high road. I get it. And she has to hope that the Supreme Court is going to take the high road as well. But perhaps one of the ways you can augment and call attention to the insanity of this moment is actually by fighting back in just as ridiculous a way they are doing. I mean, I hate to bring us all down the rabbit hole here, but gosh darn it, look at what they're doing. Look at what they have done. There's a commentator who goes on MSNBC a lot, and he really, really dislikes Trump. He actually called for this aggressiveness maybe about a year ago. I want to go to this soundbite that we have from MSNBC with this guy basically saying, you know, it's time to take the gloves off, and go after Trump, and go after the Republicans. Watch. These folks are evil. They have allowed evil into their house with Donald Trump. He has now dominated the party. This evil is spreading. And when you are in a war footing, you have to respond accordingly. It's about time President Joe Biden decided to get tough. It's about time his advisors stopped being weak and stopped being impotent and not fighting back. What these people want to do to this country is destroy democracy. They want to rig elections. Excuse me. I mean, I hate to point out the obvious here, Mr. Martin, but rig elections destroy the country. I mean, if Colorado is going to allow Donald Trump on the ballot, when the people in the Republican Party overwhelmingly want him as their choice at the top of the ticket, then how is that allowing for democracy? I mean, you look at every single poll that exists right now. Donald Trump is way out in front, way, way, way out in front. In every Republican poll, and by the way, he's way out in front in a number of swing states, like five out of six swing states, when he's up against Joe Biden. Nationally, he's up two points per the New York Times-Siena poll just this week. So in other words, you have to get in the way of what the people want. Is, is that the idea? Because this is somehow war. You think they're going to try and manipulate elections, and you guys are the ones trying to take them off the ballot? I'm sorry, but this is getting a little wacky. And so my point is, you guys want to play that game, then guess what? We can play it too. Nobody wants to play it, but you're putting conservatives in a position where they have to actually do what's needed for the good of the country. Now, granted, I do believe that the Supreme Court will strike this thing down so fast. Alan Dershowitz was just on the show the other day. Unfortunately, this news had not broken, but we talked about a few other things, including, for example, what Jack Smith is charging the president with. He doesn't actually think that that charge is going to go through. I should point out that's not even insurrection. I mean, Jack Smith is actually charging him on this very particular specific law that suggests he was interfering with the congressional procedure, right? That's what they're getting all these January 6th people on, like roughly 300 of them who are sitting in jail 
along with the former president. They're taking that to court in D.C. March 4th of 2024. Jack Smith isn't even charging with insurrection. Reportedly, he looked at it. and So how is it that the Colorado court says, okay, let's move forward with insurrection? Well, if they're going to do that, and if the states have the right to keep anyone that they don't like off the ballot, by the way, 14 states on the Democrat side are looking to do this, then why couldn't conservative states actually look at doing it too? And they can use the border issue and they can use the money issue as reasons to actually keep him off. I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying like, it's time to get tough here. It's time to be three steps ahead of them because right now we are so far behind, so far behind. You get Joe Biden out calling the former president an insurrection, suggesting that, yeah, you know, the the 14th Amendment thing might apply. By the way, I should just point out where to go. He went to Syracuse for law school. He likes to tell you he graduated top of his class. (laughs) He was actually bottom, like bottom, 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 bottom. Like, I can't remember the exact number. You guys probably know. Let me look at the live chat. It was like bottom seven or something in his, in his law school class at Syracuse. So not exactly the brightest bulb. But here he is suggesting that Donald Trump is, in fact, an insurrectionist. And it's not even debatable. Watch. Is Trump an insurrectionist, sir? Well, I think certainly you're self-evident. You saw it all. Now, whether the 14th Amendment applies, or let the court make that decision. But he certainly supported an insurrection. No question about it. None. Zero. And uh, he seems to be doubling down on about everything. Anyway. I've got okay, to so really no way. question about it? No question about it whatsoever. Well, the reason there's no question about it is because I do recall that the only video that we saw inside that day on January 6th was the video that was shot by none other than Alexander Pelosi, who happened to be the daughter of Nancy Pelosi. I mean, I just think it's a little weird. I've said this to you guys before. I mean, we know Nancy Pelosi has a lot of friends in the media. So why wouldn't she invite some of her media friends inside the Capitol building to actually see what was transpiring? I mean, if it was that bad and it was that violent and that scary, why is it that there's no other footage that exists other than Alexander Pelosi's, which they played in a loop over and over and over again on all the networks, including CNN, who bought it as an exclusive From Alexander, I think we have this tape and I want to show you, I want to remind you the source of the video itself. Never before seen footage. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi shown fleeing the U.S. Capitol as it was under attack on January 6th. The videos captured by her daughter. Alexandra Pelosi, a documentary filmmaker. We have got to finish the proceedings or else it would have She provided some of her footage to the January 6th Select Committee, who played clips in their hearing Thursday. Right, remember how they wouldn't actually show us any clips other than the clips that they were showing in the January 6th Committee hearings, all shot by Alexandra Pelosi, the documentary filmmaker, not a news producer even, and also the daughter, the daughter of the Speaker of the House at the time who had it out for Donald Trump. I'm just saying, like, the appearance of bias is pretty severe. We saw the photos outside. I'm not saying that that was great to see, right? Like, don't get me wrong. We saw all the people outside. That wasn't great. But Donald Trump has made the point in interviews that he tried to go over there to calm things down. The Secret Service wouldn't allow him to. He also has made the point 
that technically he didn't have the ability to call in the Capitol Hill police. That was something that Nancy Pelosi had to have done. And she didn't. She didn't. Why didn't she? Does it have anything to do with they're like playing chess and we're playing checkers here? If they're playing chess and we're playing checkers, then we're going to wind up losing again, right? So this is my point. You know what? Get ahead of the game. Be smarter. If they want to do this crazy, crazy thing, then you know what? It takes two to tango. Conservatives can do it too. I don't, li- I don't like even having to say this because I'm, you know, you know me, I'm a little bit by the book and a little bit of a Girl Scout that way, right? I don't like it. But I'm well aware that this is so absolutely insane that we need to show how insane it is. Again, the people have the right to decide these things, not a group of Supreme Court justices in Colorado, all of whom, by the way, have been appointed by Democrats. It's setting the stage for a really, really uncomfortable environment. I will say that, which is why, you know, I think when you look at what's going on, you start to say, wait a second, I mean, we're coming up on our 300th birthday pretty soon. We're just a short ways away from that. Is there something to be said for a, a, a democracy that's kind of run its course, a representative democracy at that? I hope not. I hope not. I think this is why it's so critical that we all double down and we think about what's important right now. In the meantime, you get an economy that's clearly a mess. They want to tell you otherwise. I mean, my gosh, if one more person tries to tell me Bidenomics is working, I might just actually throw up right here on set. Let's go to this guy who was on Fox the other day, a former Biden administration official, trying to get us to drink the Kool-Aid. Watch. Uh, How do you think the economy is or will be? So now 71 percent believe it is poor. In one year, 61 percent believe it will be poor. So a bit better. But I don't know if that number is enough to move the meter, Kevin. Well, Bill, we're certainly going to work on it in the next year. But listen, you know, I think there's this idea that for so long, for months, uh, across the different networks, we're talking about recession, we're talking about soft landing. Uh, and, and I think we had this collective psyche in America that the economy was in poor shape. This economy, like I said, is going gangbusters. Wages are now outpacing uh, inflation. Ooh, it's going gangbusters. The economy's going gangbusters. I don't know about that. Actually, he's a former Biden surrogate. So he's still, he's still getting the talking points every day. I want to bring into the conversation right now our very good friend, the very first sponsor on this show. We love him for all of that. Plus, he's just an all-around great guy and runs a pretty pretty awesome business. Charles Thorngren, the CEO of Legacy Precious Metals. My good friend, good to see you. Great to be here. Thanks for having me again. All right. So we got a... We got ourselves in a little bit of a pickle here, right, as a nation. I'm looking at gold prices. I think they're up again today, perhaps in part because people are so aware of the insanity that's happening at this moment. There's lots of talk of a quote-unquote civil war, not like in the traditional actual war sense, one would hope not, but we are in this divided state, and it's uh, the left versus the right, and I think people in the middle are sitting there going, what the heck? In fact, if anything... If anything, I, I just think that the Trump polls went up in Colorado as a result of this move. But if if this is the state of America right now, and we'll get to the economy in a second, if this is the state of America right now, what does that tell you about our future, Charles? Oh, wow. Um, let's start with the tough questions first. There's two futures we have to look at. Um, if, if we see the Democrats become successful and, and get Trump off the ballot, to say that that does happen. 
Um, that's a different future than in, when Trump wins the election and begins to fix things. Either one, we have, I mean, if things go the right way and President Trump gets reelected, we have an economy that will be fixed, but it will take time. We need to look and realize that, you know, the, the deficit is tremendous. $33 billion is what the uh, the government itself says it has. We know it's higher. But but that's um, a massive increase. It's almost a 50% increase from where it was when uh, President Trump first took office. So mm-hmm. you have a scenario where you've got to reduce the deficit, first and foremost. And, and there's ways you do about that. But those things always take time. This is not a, a quick fix scenario. Um, and, and with that, besides the spending, you have this inflation that we're dealing with. And let's not get confused that um, inflation is being managed. We have inflation from its high at, at 4.4 and we're down to about 3.3. And that's a decent step, but it's nowhere near two. Um, no, and, that, and that's what they shoot for. And incidentally, I don't love two necessarily either. Because it still means things are going up. It still means your dollars are worth less. And you look at the insane, the, the, the team here over on YouTube and on Facebook and on Rumble, as we are in a live show, they're very good about reminding me. Sometimes I quote it as $33 trillion in debt, but they're like, no, 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 Trish, it's more now. I guess it's 34 35. Yeah. I mean, we just keep going up every single day. And the interest on that debt is getting more expensive. You know, you... you um, you were very kind to send me this for Christmas, and I just want to show everybody this is a silver coin. It's beautiful. It's actually it's this contract with America. It has Newt's face on the cover. This is Newt Gingrich, and the last time we actually had a balanced budget, the last time we were actually like not dealing with debt levels like this was actually under Newt Gingrich, under his leadership, and he kind of forced Clinton's hand, and we got something together. And now here we are this many years later in dealing with something else. By the way, great Christmas present, great Christmas present for people. I would just throw that out there. Um, and I think they can get it on your site, right? Here, we give a little plug for LegacyPMInvestments.com. They're limited. Uh, if you're interested, They're folks, limited. get them when you can. Um, we're not going to okay, run them. Okay, so good Christmas present. We, we, we had to but, twist, twist the speakers yeah. off to get them to agree to let us put his image on them, but we did it. Very cool. Very, very cool. I mean, look, we're, we're not near that right now. We're, we're just spending money like drunken sailors. We got a messed up economy, and yet somehow Janet Yellen thinks like it's all going to work out. I want to play this soundbite from you, for you, from our Treasury Secretary. Here's mm-hmm. Janet somehow drinking the Kool-Aid, I guess, as she has to now as a politician. So when do you think the Fed will achieve its 2% inflation target? When does that happen? Well, my expectation is that inflation will continue to come down. And I would frankly expect, I don't want to do a precise forecast here for you, but I think when we come to the end of uh, 2024, two is certainly, you know, likely to be um, the first, the first numeral. And um, I, you know, I think we're getting a lot a lot closer. <laughs> what do you think of that, Charles? I mean, do you think that we're, we're actually going to come down like she thinks, or like Mary Daly, by the way, also, who's at the, uh, she's one of the Fed governors out there at the San Francisco Fed. They're all somehow thinking this is going to work out. What do you say? Yeah, that's, listen, I'll, I'll say this. If we get the Fed down to 2% by next December, uh, we get the uh, the inflationary numbers down to 2%. I'm going to have to go and do something I probably don't want to do, but I'll probably have to go make a coin for uh, Chairman Powell because that will be a historic event. Okay. Um, 
the chances of that happening are next to impossible. You know, <laughs> uh, but but jokes aside, you, you had the gentleman speaking about how wages are now raising above inflation. Folks, that is inflation. Increasing yeah, I know. increases inflation. Your goods cost more because you need to pay people more. And this is the problem with politics today. You have politicians who took one semester of econ and, and, and did a pass-fail on, on accounting and think they can set monetary policy. It doesn't work that way. It's complicated. Yeah, you're, you're totally right. It's, it's always amazing to me. And it was always frustrating as well. I mean, being in the news business as long as I've been in it. First of all, when I would work at networks and I worked at CBS and NBC and nobody ever actually wanted to get assigned to the economic stories. I was like always out. I mean, it was my beat, right? So this was me front and center. I mean, fed day, I'd be like, Oh, you know, this is so exciting. And they're looking at me like, "Eh." nobody wanted to cover it. It was just like the horse race that was interesting to them. And I'm really just such a policy wonk and dork that I'm like really, really into this stuff. And I, I mentioned that only because that's, an indication of how the media is, but also an indication of how these politicians are. Nobody actually understands it. Nobody cares about it. Nobody wants to cover it. And so consequently, they look the other way and we keep racking up all this debt. And I'm sorry, but this doesn't end well. And no, I don't think you're going to have a situation where you get this inflation under control. And by the way, I would be the first look. I agree with you. Like if Powell pulls this off, then he is like basically he should be worshipped at that point, right? Because that's like a tightrope walk that I don't think can be done. But if he's successful, then for sure, he he might even deserve a gold coin at that point. Anyway, like I'm looking at our comments here. Just I want to give a couple quick questions to you before we lose you. And then uh, just to the team, we got a few more things to, to talk about because I want them to see some of the immigration footage. I want them to see what Oprah's now saying about Biden. So we're going to get to all of that. But guys, you know, this is your chance We only get Charles on every so often. So if you have any question, any question at all about gold or about silver or about investing, this is your opportunity. So I I do encourage you. We've got some people, you know, David wants to know with $100,000, what percentage should one invest in gold or silver? I bet you I'm going to I'm going to take a stab, Charles, dare I? I'll let you take it away. And I'm nobody's financial advisor. But I would just say, like, it depends maybe on your time horizon, because, you know, if you're older, then maybe you're more concerned about having a conservative portfolio than, say, if, you know, you're 22. I don't know. I'm going to do like the uh, the lawyer at the end of a commercial and run through a whole list of criteria to answer that question. That $100,000, is it <laughs> Sorry, David. portfolio? Is that everything that you own? Does that include your portfolio of stocks and bonds? When is your retirement age? What is that money meant to do? Is that money meant for your children? Is that money meant for you to live on? So that's the short list. And this is why I'm going to say this again. Call us because I'd love to answer every question that you have on that to make sure you have the right information. It could be something where we say based on what you're doing should be 5%. It could be more. It's too short an answer to give you here. And I don't want to lead anyone astray. I don't want anyone to hear this and say, someone said they had $100,000 and Charles said they should put $5,000 in in gold and silver because that's not the right answer. There is no one size fits all. So give us a call. I'm just letting people know the number here in the chat. 
one eight six six five eight nine zero five six zero. It's true. I, I totally agree with you because you can't just sort of say, all right, th- this is what you do. I mean, I've heard variations. Some people, as a rule of thumb, will say, okay, you know what, 5% of your portfolio might be in something like gold. And then I've heard others say 10% even more. Um, I, I have one friend who who represents, who's like an asset manager for a very, very wealthy family. And like, they keep like a third of assets in gold. Um, that might be even like kind of on the extreme, but again, it depends, right? It depends on how much you have, what your time horizon is, and, and whether this is for your children or future generations or for the here and now. And so you, you should, you know, feel free to, these guys are great. They're, they're not like high pressure. I talked to your sales team actually, cause I was curious initially and they're wonderful. So, um, I would just say, give them a call one eight six six five eight nine zero five six zero for, for people who, want to know a little bit more and and his team said not high pressure and they'll kind of walk you through some ideas and that's good it's good to have as many sort of different i think resources and experts surrounding you so that you can make the best decision when you look at gold right now as i said you know where as we came into the as, as we came into the live stream let me see where it's trading i think you and i were talking about this during the we don't have commercials here, so uh, you know <laughs> we don't have we don't have the luxury of me being able to gulp my water. Unfortunately, <laughs> you have to hear me gulping it on set. But I'm looking at gold, and it's still above two thousand dollars an ounce, two thousand fifty six dollars, up four tenths of a percent right now. Silver trading up as well at twenty four dollars and sixty five cents. You've talked about silver in the past as being completely undervalued. You see it as something that should be much much higher, but reason in your estimate for why it should be higher and why it's undervalued? It, two things. Um, silver is so important. And, and we have a class of people who invest uh, and their alternate investments outside stocks and bonds are going to be cryptos and these newer things, which I'm not saying don't get involved with. So you've seen a lot of people step away from the age old method of securing finances. Um, Silver is undervalued because the last time the gold was in the $2,000 range, we go back some years, we should be seeing silver in the 60, $65 range. And even then it was undervalued. If, if you were to put a fair value on where silver should be, we'd be over a hundred right now. Um, And and it's interesting. We talk about this because uh, you know, I read your chats too. And I, I saw that comment from Hightower about where he thinks gold should actually be if it was not uh, manipulated. And that's what we're dealing with here with silver is a little manipulation. Um, when you look at everything we're talking about EV nowadays, mm-hmm. involves silver. Anything electrical uses high amounts of silver. I know the big thing was the batteries and we talked about, you know, the lithium and, and that, and that's great, but all of those connectors need silver. So the amount of silver that's being used from a mechanical point of view is increased dramatically. We should see bumps in silver just for its industrial process. Never mind the fact that we have economies around the world running wild, that we have debt around the world running wild. Right now, the United States is at 122% debt to GDP ratio. If you did that with your personal finances, you would be bankrupt. You own, owe 24% more a year than you make. That's what the United States is right now. So 
when we look at these factors and you figure in the economic reasons, silver makes a lot of sense because gold's going to be significantly higher, but so will silver. And for the average person, it's easier to get silver. It's easier because of the price point. Right. right. No. And, and, you know, it's, it's a much more sort of palatable price point. You're right. Um, the, the problem of course, and you, you've articulated this well, is that it's a lot to store, right? <laughs> you know, that like gold is, yes. you guys told me this, I didn't realize this. You can put a million bucks worth of gold right inside a shoebox. So pretty incredible because it is so high in valuation. Hightower actually has another question about like, if you were to strip away like all the I don't know. Let me see. Let me go back to the question. He wonders if like gold could ever be $20,000 an ounce as opposed to 2000. Should it be trading like 10 times? I know that's like a big call and like, I'm not, we got to be careful. Like, I don't want people to think that like, but he's saying like, if you took out some of the the biases against it, might there be a better or truer valuation? Well, and you know, I'm not afraid of controversy. We're all family here, right? Right. Uh, all the Trish fans, we're, we're family. I can just speak my mind. 173,000 of them, which Don keeps reminding of me of. 173,000 Reganites here, at least on, on YouTube. We got another 250,000 on Rumble watching live right now. And we got another 250 over on Facebook. So, yes, you guys are in the family, the circle of trust. And, and you know, and I'll get back and answer that question in a second here. But Don is the like button master. Um, he gets out there and makes sure everyone hits that button. So I'm going to say it too. Trish won't say it. I'm going to say it for you, Don. Everyone here, you better hit that like button. Now let's go back to that manipulation of gold, okay? Um, you know, when, you, when we look at gold, yes, there's manipulation. There's manipulation in anything. It's called trading, okay? Um, anytime you have any financial vehicle that gets traded in a, in a marketplace, there's manipulation of that market. That's just the way that it works. Manipulation comes in many forms. There's good manipulation. There's bad manipulation. So um, with metals specifically, the manipulation does not come from the metals market per se. You've had some major companies out there, um, major names on Wall Street, who have been caught um, manipulating the markets, um, pushing down and creating excessive sell orders uncovered to bring the price of metals down. And they've paid millions upon millions of dollars in fines. So yes, there's manipulation there. Now, when we talk about those numbers of should gold be $20,000 an ounce, that comes down to the manipulation of the U.S. dollar. Okay. So one of the reasons I talk about the Fed and why I don't necessarily like them so much is that is their job is to manipulate the U.S. dollar. Their job is to make our economy stronger and our appearance of wealth strong enough to be the leader in the world. We like that aspect of it. But with that comes the ability to manipulate, to create inflation, to create valuations in the dollar through um, economic means, but also through political means. And when you do that, you create a manipulation against the solid asset value of gold. Do those turn around one day and reverse themselves? I, I couldn't tell you if that's in my lifetime or not, but probably everything that goes up comes down. Um, and at the speed at which it does it, that's the question. So... The manipulation, yes. If we use the valuations from back in Ronald Reagan's day, um, which the way we value debt and the way we value uh, inflation and the way we value our GDP has all changed from those days. We use different formulas right now. If we use those same formulas, you would probably see gold closer to the $3,000, $3,500 price range. And it would still be undervalued. 
I'm talking about just valuation evaluation. Okay. When we look at debt. Wow. I understand. Yeah. When, when you look at debt. Yeah. Well, we're 122%. That is the amount of debt we have, the amount of money we make as a nation. And, and here's it's why It's like that's- we're like Greece. Remember during the European debt crisis? Here's why it's worse than Greece. Greece had the courage to do something about it. And it hurt. And they shut the banks down. And they said, we're going to force this economy to begin to fix itself. Now, it's easier for Greece to do it. They don't have the population that we do. But there was courage. And it scared everyone, as it should. And everyone was right to be scared when that happened. Because it did spread throughout the world system. So you look at that number and say it was, you know, that's Greece numbers. And it was. Here's the problem we have. It's 122% now. And we haven't had the recession yet. And the definition of a recession is when you have negative growth, when your GDP drops. So that debt ratio is only going to be higher as the effects of the interest rate increases take effect. You need that to happen to lower inflation, right? So here's that quandary. We need to have the recession so that inflation can begin to come down. But that recession is going to make our debt ratio far worse because we're not. And you're convinced the recession's coming. Uh, There has to be. There has to be. There's a there is a recession 100 percent of the times where you go through massive interest rate raises. There has never been a time in the history of the United States that that has not happened. That is what economics is. The balance is how bad a recession do you allow, right? And the recession is going to be worse because we have people out there saying, we're so good. Look at everyone's getting raises, but it won't infect inflation, right? So yeah, it doesn't mean, I mean, that's, that's the stupidity, frankly, of these Biden surrogates. They're, they're trying to say, okay, like it's good. And by the way, like, of course we like wages to go up. But when wages go up, guess what? So does the price of everything else. Like you have to build that into inflation. Meanwhile, we know, I mean, I, one of you guys, was it, was it Mike? I think he, he left. He had to go to work. But Mike was pointing out that when, the, when things started, Michael Donald was saying it was like a buck 71 for, for gas during the beginning of the Biden administration. And we know those days are long gone. So like people are paying almost three times as much for gas right now, Charles. They're paying much more. I keep citing because I'm just blown away that it's $7.99 for a dozen eggs. In, in, granted, I live in an expensive part of the country outside New York City. But still, $7.99 is the cheapest, is the cheapest at Shop and Save that you're going to find for a dozen eggs. And I'm like, this is insane. Like, it is really, really, really bad. And I don't know how you really combat this other than I, you know, on a personal perspective, like what I do as an individual and as a saver and as somebody who cares about my own retirement one day, I've invested in gold and I put a certain percentage in and I kind of just forget about it, right? Like, you just kind of, it's like, that is... It goes up, it goes down. When it goes down, I, I try to buy more. When it goes up, I sit there and wish I had more. <laughs> but it's one of those things that I'm like, okay, that's like for the long haul, period. End of story. Like I just don't, I don't, people can trade it actively. And by the way, they can, I think on your site, right? Because if you're somebody who wants to get in and out of it pretty quickly, you can actually do that on Charles's site. You can even actually have your own vault, by the way. I'm thinking about that because, you know, it would just be cool to say, I have a vault. I have a vault. In where is it? Utah, Texas, or Switzerland? Yes, yeah. we're getting ready to add a few. So you know, I'm not going to tell everyone where your gold's at, Trish. 
<laughs> but I mean, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty darn cool. And if, if you want the hard physical stuff, I mean, this is, this is one way to get it, but you know, yes, it's important to watch the price. I don't know how I'm just going to say over the next 50 years, it doesn't continue to move much, much higher only because of the long-term fundamentals, frankly, really working against us and a political system that continues to work against us. This is the effect of a party trying to maintain control. They convince, and this is the way it works anytime that you have a form of an invasion into a country where you're not doing it militarily, okay? Um, You have a group of people come in and change the mind and redirect the thoughts of the youth so that they believe opposite of what their parents believe. You, you get your way of thinking into the next generation before they have the ability to do anything about it. But by the time they grow up and that thought process is so embedded in their brain, you now win. And we've seen that happening for quite some time now. And this is the effect of it. I mean, San Francisco is a great example. That city cannibalized itself. Absolutely cannibalized itself. They gave away everything they had to people who did absolutely nothing. And to be real clear, I'm not the kind of guy, I'm not going to go and pick on all the homeless people. There are some there that are there um, that need help. But the majority in San Francisco were not those people. No, they were counterculture. Can I jump in and tell you my San Francisco story, which I used to call it Sucks Francisco. I had to live there for five years because my husband got transferred out there and I wound up doing morning news on the, uh, one of the network affiliates there. Horrible schedule, incidentally, morning show, morning, not my time of day. Anyway, I was so struck by San Francisco and this is a long time ago. This is back when Kimberly Guilfoyle was married to Gavin Newsom, right? It's like back around the year 2000 and the homeless people there, it was like a way of life, like a counterculture thing, because you'd see some kid who literally looked like he had every advantage in the world, some 21-year-old kid, and I'd go down, I'd walk down the street. I was always afraid to wear a skirt there. Isn't that interesting? Mm. You know, I, I didn't have a problem in New York. I'd wear, you know, my dresses, high heels, whatever. I would, I would always feel very self-conscious in San, Fran- San Francisco because the aggressiveness of the homeless was like off the charts, and so I never felt entirely safe. But I'd walk down the street, and they would say, Hey, have you got 10 bucks? 10 bucks. Like th- these were not people that were looking for, you know, some change. There was an anger and an aggression there that always made me feel extraordinarily uncomfortable. And it was a choice for many of them. I'm not saying, you know, look, you get a lot of mental illness. You get a lot of drug use, things that, frankly, we as a society, as a government ought to be like intervening and helping to get those people off the streets. When you think about all the ways we can spend our taxpayer dollars, right? Instead, they were given out. Charles, I kid you not. And actually, Gavin Newsom tried to fight this. Again, I I credit Kimberly with this because he had some conservative influence in the family. He actually tried to fight this and he ran for mayor under the premise that we weren't going to just give out cash handouts on Fridays anymore because he looked at the statistics and he saw that as soon as you gave that money, those cash handouts, which they still give in San Francisco, boom, presto, you had emergency room 
challenges. It was in overdrive. You could actually correlate the money being given out with the drug overdoses that happened. And he said, you know what? We got to rethink this. Let's take that money and let's actually give them housing. Let's give them support, blah, blah, blah. And the city went crazy. And they said, no can do. And the city council voted it down. I mean, I I thought it was smart, right? Like, let's have policies that work for people, that work for communities. Why are we catering to drug addicts and and helping them endanger themselves and the lives of others? Why would we do that? Why can't we have policies that actually make economic and moral sense? Part of it is the entitlement of an entire generation, right? Even these homeless peoples had an entitlement. They felt like they deserved that. They were owed that. And the the issue you have with that is we have... Can I hold um, you on that one thought? Sure. And I'm going to ask our, our, our wonderful producer if he can actually pull up the soundbite of the actress out in L.A. saying she's going to vote Democrat because she thinks she's she deserves more. If he's got it, let's see if he can play it for us because what you just said about people feeling entitled... Charles, this is so darn true, and it's so absolutely wrong and the antithesis of what we should be as Americans. Let's see if you can pull it out. No pressure or anything, Drew. (laughs) He's going to text me if he doesn't have it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll we'll hold off. You know, I'm... I'm, I'm, uh, I'm getting aggressive here because, you know, now that I have a control room, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm putting everyone through their paces. We'll see if we can do it later. But I've got this great clip of this actress who says, you know, she's going to vote Democrat. She was in Empire. I guess that was her big claim to fame. And she thinks, you know, she she deserves more. I mean, heck, you get California, Gavin Newsom mm. saying. Are you thinking about it? Um, it? Here we go. Mm. I'm just tired of working so hard, being gracious at what I do, getting paid a fraction of the cost. Mm -hmm. I'm tired of hearing my sisters say the same thing over and over. Mm -hmm. Um, You get tired. Mm -hmm. I hear people go, you work a lot. Well, have to. Mm -hmm. The math ain't mathing. Mm -hmm. And when you start working a lot, You know, you have a team. Big bills come with what we do. We don't do this alone. The fact that we're up, is a whole entire team behind us. They have to get paid. So when you hear someone saying, oh, such and such made $10 million. No, that's not that. That didn't make it to their account. Mm -hmm. Know that off the top, Uncle Sam is getting 50%. Okay? Mm -hmm. So do the math. Now we have $5 million. Your team is getting 30% or whatever your team is off of what you grossed, not after what Uncle Sam took. Now do the math. Mm. So I just, I'm I'm only human, and and Mm -hmm. it seems every time I do something and I break another glass ceiling, when it's time to renegotiate, I'm at the bottom again Mm -hmm. like I never Mm -hmm. did what Mm -hmm. I just did, and I'm just tired. I'm tired. Mm -hmm. I'm tired. Mm -hmm. I get that. It wears so vote Republican lady. Because what does that mean? Mm -hmm. What is that telling me? What is it telling me? 
Yeah. Tells me you ought to vote for conservatives so you're not spending so much money in taxes. And if I can't fight for them coming up behind me, then what am I doing? I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay. You know what? She actually, she is a Democrat. I I got that wrong. She's not like saying she's going to vote Democrat again. I guess she is a Democrat. My advice to her would be, you know what? You got to keep more what you earn. And when you live in places like California or New York, you're not going to keep as much. That's just the reality of it. And, and let me also just add this. Yes, you do work hard. We all work hard. But that's all the more reason for us to keep more of what we earn. I mean, to go back to my good friend Art Laffer and the Laffer Curve, for goodness sakes. This is how we do succeed as a society, by allowing people to keep more of what they earn, thereby encouraging them to earn more. And, and that's, again, whether we're talking about homeless policies in San Francisco Charles, or whether we're talking about how much people can keep of the money that they bring in the door, it's really kind of a no-brainer. Allow Americans to prosper. Encourage them to work. Uh, you know, the interesting thing that she didn't mention, too, that as being a Democrat, she is one of the people, and if we just use her simple math, she's still clearing $2 million on that $10 million project, right? So based on, on their philosophy, she is up there in the 1%. She should be paying more taxes. She has more reason to vote conservative than anybody. Because as we enter this phase now, if you have a little bit more money, you should pay more because I have less. I need some of what you have. That's what she's saying. And that's what this system does. It's, it, it's a forced socialism, right? It's not a socialism that we all agree upon. It's a forced socialism that we're being pushed into and the government's going to reinforce it. And the more that we allow this agenda, this runaway Democratic Party, which let's be honest, too, this is not the Democrats from the 70s or the 80s either. This is a new breed of specialness. Uh, And I'm going to say specialness because I wanted to say something else, but I'm going to be nice. This is a whole new kind of specialness. We don't have to bleep you out. I I don't want to be known for that, but that's what we're talking about here. This is why even the Democrats need to get control of their party. We conservatives have some things we need to do. I I am not saying that we are without fault. There's things we need to address, but those Democrats need to address things too, or it's going in a way that they never planned on. And these elder statesmen should begin to start taking control you know, um, I just want to read one of the comments from Steve Lee, who actually I'm sorry, Steve, for what you're going through. He said he's 64 years old. He lives in Illinois. Last spring, he had a spinal cord injury and then now he can't work. And what he doesn't understand is that he has to he's struggling. Right. So he's not getting any handouts. He said, I can't work. I have to pay for my insurance. And yet illegals are coming into the country and they're getting this stuff for free. Like there's something really messed up. I'll tell you just a quick anecdote. One of my girlfriends, she, she's a wonderful woman, um, they were friends like through school and stuff. Uh, you know, her kids went to school with my kids. And I saw her for lunch the other day and I couldn't believe it. She told me she had just been in this car accident. She drives like a big Chevy Tahoe and the whole thing. She was saying, I'm driving my husband's car today. She got ran and it was actually an illegal who was working for a pool company who went straight into her, just straight into her at like 30 miles an hour and didn't speak English. And so then the, the police came, they had to get the pool company owner there who was translating in Spanish. Long story short, he doesn't have any documentation. 
not even a driver's license, of course. And she said that he had absolutely no insurance. The pool company somehow didn't have any insurance. And before you knew it, the police were writing her up and saying, well, it was your fault because the translation in Spanish is that this is your fault. And she's like, how could it be my fault? Like he came out, you know, and hit me. I'm driving straight. He's coming out this way. And and it was easiest, most expedient thing to do. And the police officer was basically saying, you have insurance. He doesn't. Yeah. I mean, this is not, we can't operate this way as a society. This can't. And I haven't even got cultural issues, which obviously, you know, we're facing with Hamas, et cetera. Kissinger, one of his last interviews was just talking about how you cannot bring in people who cannot adapt really to your culture and to your way of life. I'm not saying that about all the, I think a lot of people come here, do, they're looking for a better life, but whatever's going on in the interim, it's so freaking messed up. And Charles, like, we're not saying that we're not willing to bring people, but if we're going to bring people, for goodness sakes, like make sure that they have the proper documentation, make sure that they can take care of themselves, make sure that they are going to be contributing members to the American economy, or else we're just dragging the rest of the country down. And folks like one of our viewers here who now has an injury and still has to pay for his insurance is winding up having to pay. It doesn't work that way. We can't have an economy or a system or a country like that. It's impossible. Every country wants immigration, but they want legal immigration. Legal immigration is important for America. Okay. It's the illegal immigration that messes things up. You don't get control. You don't get to control who comes in. You never know what kind of background they have. And then the cost of maintaining a large illegal population. That is money that's taken out of our hands. Everyone here who's here legally, the gentleman who was injured, Funds that should be going to him because of his injury are now being diverted. And, and this is a conversation that's having here in Texas, diverting, having to divert funds to maintain millions of illegal immigrants. So yeah. if you don't even begin to stop that process, <laughs> you're encouraging more to show up. Oh, in South got going America, on. They hear, oh, there's a big problem getting across the border. And then they hear, oh, there's not a big problem. And then they're going to move you to another state so you don't have to stay in Texas or in Arizona or in California where you crossed. You know, if you get picked in the right group, you may go to New York. You may go here. You may go there. And they're going to give you basic care. They're going to, it's called what it is. They're going to give you welfare until they can process you through the system. And if you disappear, you'll never get processed. Yeah, and, and that's what happens. It's wrong. No other countries like this. No other country in the world. I cannot, by the way, don't even get me started on the voting. You know, out in San Francisco, you can vote for the school board. Berkeley, I believe. Berkeley, the most liberal place on earth. What a disaster that place is. So in Berkeley, California, you as an illegal can vote for school board. I'm sorry, you're not a taxpayer you're not here legally. Why are you then getting to decide the elections? It's so beyond wrong. Do you think I can move to Mexico tomorrow and vote elections? I can't. Okay. It's just not, it's not done. And the, the idea that somehow they want to allow this, I will tell you though, it's turning on them because a lot of Hispanics are actually becoming and they're actually pro Trump. In fact, we're also seeing a lot of black Americans that are saying, wait a second, you know, it wasn't this bad under Trump. So this is really throwing the 
Democrat Party, which is going to get us back to the maneuvers that they are cha- uh, they are trying to implement because they're so horrified that America might actually vote for a man who actually has policies, policies that make sense. I'm sorry, but like the Democrats have failed us and they continue to fail us. And I'm enough of a policy geek that I, I analyze this stuff pretty aggressively from the tax policy down to the foreign policy down to the border policy, it just makes sense. And before you sit there and tell me, okay, well, he's a bigot and this and that, I'm sorry, but like he did marry two immigrants. Thank you very much. Melania gave a speech the other night, I think it was Saturday night in D.C., welcoming immigrants to America, and I got goosebumps. I just thought, you know what, this is, this is what needs to happen. We need to welcome people here, but we got to do it the right way. Charles, I'm out of time with you, and I, I appreciate your generosity. We love that you're a sponsor here on the program, guys. I just want to give them a shout-out again because Charles was the first to sign up as soon as he heard that the Trish Regan Show was coming out. He and his team, they wanted to be part of that. And you know how great they are. In fact, when we were raising money for Israel, Charles, out of his own pocket and also out of the company's pocket, they helped to match your donations. So I I think that my show was one of the hot. We gave so much money to Israel. We raised so much money. It was through your generosity combined with what I was doing, with what Charles was doing, what Legacy Precious Metals was doing. So we don't ever forget that. We love you here. And I just want to encourage everyone, if you are looking to invest and diversify in gold or silver, or you just have questions, call them, call them. It's not high pressure. You can have a conversation. We've got the number up on the screen, one 589 Charles, I appreciate all your support. I appreciate your political viewpoint and your common sense. And I thank you again. Merry Christmas. And thank you for my coin. <laughs> I think my son is about to confiscate it though. It's uh, it's up on his trophy wall. He's really into this. <laughs> when he does, let, I'll, I'll get you another one out there. And uh, we want <laughs> thank to thank you, sir. You know, there's there's a surprising lack of common sense and honesty on the airwaves. So thank you for everything you do, and a Merry Christmas to you and everyone here that, that watches you as well. Merry Christmas to everyone. Thank you. Thank you. we got more to cover, so don't go anywhere, anyone. But thanks again, Charles. Much, much appreciated. Okay, turning to some of our news of the day. You know, we got into some of it because I wanted to play that clip from the L.A. actress lady. I may have to do that again. But getting back here to just exactly what the GOP needs to do, what they should be doing, what they're starting to think about doing, they got to fight back. I'm sorry, but it's that bad. It's time to fight fire with fire. And I know two wrongs don't make a right, but I also know this thing is going to the Supreme Court. And I think the Supreme Court, you know, I have faith in them and I trust them. I think it's a pretty smart bunch. But I also think they just need to, somebody needs to call out the hypocrisy of this. And the way you call out the hypocrisy is by showing that tit for tat. You guys think you can do that? Well, guess what? We can do it too. If the team has some of this immigration footage, I'd love to be able to show it because there was a guy from Fox News. I don't know his name. He wasn't there when I was there, but I love his reporting. He's done a great, great job down at the border. And he was there just this week pointing out that they were having to divert CHP resources, right? Because it's so out of control. They were diverting these resources to make sure that they had enough to try and process these people, but they still don't have enough. They don't have enough. And so what does this tell you? It tells you that 
it was open season as soon as Joe Biden came into office. And now there's this rush because they don't know if he's going to last. So you get as, get as many people into the country right now as you possibly can. The federal government doesn't seem to be concerned enough about it, maybe because they think that they can possibly turn a state like Texas blue. Good luck. Good luck. I don't think that's going to happen. But let's go and let's see this Fox reporter who's down there. Um, he, he was down there actually the other day talking to some of the guys and some of the guys that are coming in, not gals, by the way, not kids, but a lot of the guys coming in, many of them didn't even speak Spanish. Many of them were coming from Africa. They were coming from the Middle East. They were coming from all kinds of places, but a lot of them did not even speak Spanish, which was amazing. Haiti was another country. Let's see what he had to say about the resources that are Fox being diverted. News drone over an Eagle Pass. They have had another mass illegal crossing out there. You can see hundreds upon hundreds of illegal immigrants waiting for processing there. You might be able to see a bridge off in the background. That is where the trains come in. We'll see CBP has announced they are suspending railway operations to move CBP officers down into the field to help Border Patrol with processing. In other words, Harris, they're shutting down international commerce in order to help speed up processing of these migrants. Many of them, again, will be released. And back out here live, Mm -hmm. December is traditionally one of the slowest months at our southern border. But uh, the Border Patrol Union tells us right now their numbers show they are on track to potentially have the highest single month of arrest they have ever had at our southern border. So it seems to me this is the grounds for looking at taking Joe Biden off. I mean, hey, you know, I don't actually technically believe that because I technically think that you can't actually overrule the people. But I'm making the point that you fight fire with fire, ladies and gentlemen, and two can play this game. So you know what? You point to the immigration disaster that is a real disaster. You point to all of the information that James Comer and Jim Jordan have been collecting. The House Oversight Committee has records upon records. And even though the left is trying to tell you this is some kind of fake impeachment and fake news, look, I've looked at the bank records. I've investigated terrorist financing throughout my career. This is not that. But I mention it because I look at the money trail. It's a big part of what I do. And I've gone through these bank records. And I'm like, wait, wait a second. Like, how, how is this? Why is Joe getting a $40,000 payment alleged to have been from China? Like, that's not okay. Why is it that he was using all of these various aliases? Didn't we go through that with Hillary Clinton? Didn't anybody learn that you're not supposed to have all those email addresses, those private email addresses? Why did he have all these different names? And why is it that the National Archives Department is actually telling us that there was a spike a massive spike in the number of emails that were going from the White House to these private alias addresses right around the exact same time he was going over to Ukraine. He was going to Ukraine, and this is while he was vice president, while his son was on the payroll of that little company called Burisma, now defunct, lousy natural gas company, corrupt. And its corruption was being looked into by none other than the prosecutor in Ukraine, Viktor Shokin. And guess what? Joe Biden decided that it was up to him to make sure that Victor Shokin, who was investigating his son's company that was paying him $83,000 a month, needed to be fired. What is this, protection money? Is this like some kind of mobster effort? I think there's enough there. They've now got an impeachment inquiry going. I think it's going to get worse for Joe. I think it's going to get worse for Hunter. And I think if states around the country are smart, 
they'll start thinking about how they get Joe Biden off the ballot. Not because it's the right thing to do, let me be clear, but because you've got to expose the insanity, the pure, utter insanity. Ron DeSantis, I played this earlier in the show, but we're going to do it again because it is that important. You need to hear Ron DeSantis talking about this. He did go to Harvard and Yale. We're not going to hold it against him, but I mention it because, you know, he's got that legal education that should enable him to have some understanding, right, of the Constitution. Not that everybody coming out of Harvard or Yale these days has that. We can talk about Claudine in a second. But Ron DeSantis making the point, making the point very aggressively that this is this is like off the rails. It's off the rails. It, watch. Look, on all these things, what you're seeing the left do is they will use the power of the state to advance their agenda. And you see that with the Colorado Supreme Court. I mean, look, if somebody's convicted or something of, of some of these things, there was no trial on any of this. They basically just said, what, you can't be on the ballot? I mean, how does that work? What's the limiting principle for that? Uh, why could, could we just say that Biden can't be on the ballot because he let in 8 million illegals uh, into the country and violated the Constitution, which he has? Uh, could we just say, oh, well, they have uh, money coming to Hunter, whatever? So, so I think the U.S. Supreme Court is going to reverse that. But, but here's the... Yeah, I think they'll reverse it, too, as they should. But why not go in showing them a little bit more? Why not go in showing the country a little bit more? Texas is considering it. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, I know so many of you just joined us right now because we're growing in ranks. We're growing in ranks. By the way, if you haven't subscribed and liked the program, please, like this is, I never ask enough. People tell me, Trish, you don't ask. It's because, I don't know, I come from that traditional news background, and this is all new to me, so I always forget to ask. So do me the favor of liking this video. Do me the favor of commenting, both in the chat, but also below. That's really important. It helps us as well. And most importantly, sharing, sharing, sharing. Let the word get out, because I'm here. I'm back. I'm not going anywhere. I am here for you guys every day. I just... I love this. I care so deeply about this country, and I am fully, totally committed. So let's go to Lieutenant Governor in Texas, Dan Patrick, saying he's looking at this very seriously, taking Joe Biden off the ballot in Texas, because two can play this game. ...across illegally, and then the magistrate will send them back and will escort them to the border... Uh, and they have a choice. They can go to jail or they can go back. And if they go back and try to come back again and we arrest them again, the penalty gets even higher. We're fed up. In fact, seeing what happened in Colorado tonight, Laura, makes me think, except we believe in democracy in Texas, maybe we should take Joe Biden off the ballot in Texas for allowing 8 million people to cross the border since he's been president. Uh, this- you know, this is, uh, this is something I think we'll get more and more traction in the coming days. And it's something that should get more and more traction in the coming days, because if not, you're just going to keep hearing this chorus from the left. And I think we have this clip. It's a mashup of everybody on the left right now. They played it on Fox, my old place of employment. You know, I still like them, (laughs) or at least the people there, including Jesse. He's a good guy. So Jesse ran this on his show and he's showing you just exactly what the, the, the Democrats are now talking about and how how their sort of psyche is at this moment. Let's show you. What would a second Donald Trump term look like? Well, he cannot be the next president. 
Um, it, Oopsie it, daisy, this is the wrong is. one. This is the wrong one. I'm going to stop it for just one second because I want to give credit where credit is due. I think that's our friends at Grabian. If we have Jesse's, we'll use it. Otherwise, this is really good too because they want to stop him at any moment. Any moment, like he's not allowed to be president. So let's get into the brains right now. We're going to play this exact one that you just saw. Let's get into the brains of the left's psychotic hate against Donald Trump. They are so far out over their skis on this. They hate him with so much venom and they are willing, whatever it takes, right? Like it doesn't matter. They are willing to compromise, frankly, our country, our democracy, our constitution to do whatever it takes to get rid of Donald Trump and ensure that he cannot be the president. This is courtesy of our good friends, Tom and company over at Grabian, Grabian.com. They put together this wonderful mashup. Let's watch. What would a second Donald Trump term look like? Well, he cannot be the next president um, it, it, because if he is. You can't imagine the things that he's going to do. Mexico, Canada. We can't go to Canada because eventually Canada will become annexed to America. And shoot visitors to the White House. Yeah, that means he can shoot the first lady. We're going to see violence, the likes of which we didn't even see on January 6th. Make it illegal to run against him, to throw his opponents in jail, to shut down the media. He will make himself into the Fuhrer, and he will make everybody raise their hand and salute him. Using martial law against the American people. Terminate the Constitution. Rewrite the Constitution. Create mass internment camps. Throw everyone into Gitmo. Might be sent to jail or their rights might be suppressed especially minority groups in society. You might have any number of things happen to you and your family. Every one of us, our freedom, our liberty, none of us is safe. It's going to have people around him executing against an enemy's list. Assassinate. All right, you get the picture? It went on and on and on. Like, I think they get like a five-minute clip. I'm just showing you the greatest hits there, just the beginning. They are so determined to keep him off the ballot that they're now getting so out there and it's so aggressive. You know, this is amazing because a Democrat, great guy, Doug Schoen, he actually ran, (coughs) he ran Mike Bloomberg's campaign. He's a a, a respected Democrat strategist, a a nice man. I've known him well over the years. Doug Schoen, even Doug Schoen, he's saying, you know what? This is too much. Like, They're not doing the right thing here. This is not good for our country, this Colorado move. And this is setting a very dangerous precedent. Of course, the Supreme Court has to strike it down. But the fact that you even have smart Democrats, honest Democrats, honest Americans, honest Americans saying this should tell you a lot. You need to hear this again. Doug Schoen, he's, I think, a Fox contributor still these days. He ran the Bloomberg campaign and he gets it. He really does. Watch. Well, this is one Democrat who believes this is going to hurt Democrats and certainly hurt democracy. Um, You know, Donald Trump has not been convicted of anything. And to throw him off the ballot based on allegations which have not been fully vetted in a court of law with appeals is, to me, contrary to everything our country stands for. And I'm, I'm a Biden supporter. I would vote for Joe Biden tomorrow. But I would tell Joe Biden that he should press the Supreme Court to get Donald Trump back on the Colorado ballot, indeed on every ballot. Yeah, fat chance that's going to happen. 
fat chance that's going to happen. We already heard from Biden calling Trump an insurrectionist. You know why? Because they know that they cannot win any other way. So think about the fact, as Doug's pointing out, I mean, they haven't even charged him with insurrection. Jack Smith's got a case, and he's using this little loophole in the in the law that was actually created as part of Sarbanes-Oxley. It was designed to go after white-collar crime, and it's all about whether or not somebody is preventing a particular procedure from happening. That's what they're charging him on, not on insurrection. So how does the Colorado court suddenly come up with insurrection when the federal court is not even charging him with it? They looked at it. They, were, they made the decision that they couldn't do it. And so yet that's what Colorado is pinning everything on. Meanwhile, the Supreme Court may in fact also decide that even this little weird law that they're using that was designed for white collar crime. It's not a law that you can use to put 300 people behind bars that are the so-called insurrectionists or whatever you want to call them from J6 along with Donald Trump. I mean, that one is very much in doubt as well. But don't tell the analysts over at CNN there, the guy who used to work for Daily Beast or something, I still don't know his name, I guess he's got a new gig, a TV gig over on CNN where he's just determined to say, well, you know what, if the Supreme Court doesn't doesn't vote that, that this was the wrong law, you know, that they, in fact Donald Trump and all of these people were doing something really bad, well, then we got a problem on our hands because, well, it just means the Supreme Court has greenlit a coup. I'm like, what? What are you talking about, buddy? Like, this is dangerous rhetoric. It's like law and order really doesn't matter anymore. Let's cue this one up. Me now, CNN senior political analyst John Avalon. John, I want to go back to the trial delays for Donald Trump, not the legal side, but his federal election trial might get delayed past March 4th. It might never get heard. If he wins, he would throw it out. Aside from the legal implications, what are the moral implications of that? The moral implications, the constitutional implications are massive for our country. Because as you have pointed out, you know, without accountability, uh, an attempt to overturn an election, a slow motion coup is just practice. It's a green light if there's no accountability for this. And the implications uh, down the line are striking, right? I mean, you know, for example, if people, if the Supreme Court or a court should say that the a president's not criminally liable for anything he did when in office, well, that's a green light for authoritarian action for people when they're president. They're officially and permanently above the law, not just simply because of an Office of Legal Counsel opinion. You know, I don't know. <laughs> okay. So you see what he's setting up? He's setting up a scenario where you're not supposed to believe the Supreme Court. If the Supreme Court decides that, you know what, they actually aren't in violation of this obscure Sarbanes-Oxley thing, it's not the right law, it's not applicable to this case, well then what, we're supposed to then take down the court? I mean, come on, come on. I know you don't, but at some point you all got to get it. You got to get over it. Meanwhile... It's kind of scary out there because, you know, if you're somebody who's on the wrong side of things, they're all worried that Trump's going to go after them. If Look at what's going on right now. Look at what just happened with Rudy Giuliani. This just in. Rudy Giuliani, once America's mayor, has just filed for bankruptcy because he got slapped with upwards of $148 million in a fine by the jury that decided he had slandered a couple of poll workers. 
$148 million. I mean, this will go to an appeals court, of course, and they'll probably say that this is excessive, et cetera. But what does it do to his life in the meantime? He's now filing for bankruptcy because he dared to say, you know, it, it, it's just what? That, that you're going to go after all your enemies? So now they're worried that Donald Trump's going to come in with documents that he got and took to Mar-a-Lago that detailed just exactly who, when, where, why, what, went after him and his campaign and tapped the wires, remember, at Trump Tower and Carter Page, they're worried he's going to go after them and expose all of that. And they're saying he's going to be the guy that's going to... Well, what do you think they're doing? What do you think they're doing when they go after Rudy Giuliani to the tune of $148 million? I think he's got another thing he's up against right now. What do you think they're doing when they're going after Donald Trump and saying, we're going to kick you out of the state of New York. You're not allowed to have any businesses here, period. That's very Chavez-like, very Venezuelan-like. You know what? He didn't like you. You couldn't have your golf course in operation there in that particular area anymore. He took your house. He did this. He did that. This is getting weird, guys. This is getting really weird. And I know we're divided. We're more divided than we've ever been. I actually blame Barack Obama for a lot of that. But this is out of... Look, here's the deal. Joe Biden cannot win in 2024 under current circumstances. So they are grasping at straws. Every single military poll is now showing us that people don't like Joe. They don't trust Joe and they think he's doing a really lousy job. Gosh, the guy, he's looking confused all the time. New video coming into us today of just how confused, how confused Joe Biden is. If we have it, I'd love to play it right now. Confused, confused, confused. Where's Jill? Isn't she going to come? Is he going to walk straight into the flats? Oh my gosh, I think he might. Exit. There was somebody there to escort him and show him the way off. But, you know, you've seen a zillion videos like So the feeling is he can't really win this on his own. So they're going to come up with all these that serve as an impediment to thing that's very interesting and that just came out today he can't even muster up support from like the woman who i'm talking about oprah the media mogul oprah winfrey she won't even support him right now i mean what's that telling you ladies and gentlemen he can't even get an endorsement from oprah in fact she was asked about this she had some kind of christmas gathering And I want you to see it because it's kind of like she shuts it down fast. She shuts it down really fast. And I'm like, wow. I mean, when you can't get Oprah support, really struggling, buddy. Here. Oprah, are you you supporting the president again in 2024? I'm just here to celebrate this event. I'm just here to celebrate this event. How does this compare to your other Whoa, harsh, harsh, right? Like, she's just there to celebrate. Of course. I mean, why wouldn't she say of course? Like, she's a well-known 
Democrat. She always supports the Democrats. He's going to be the Democrat nominee, right? Why wouldn't she just say, of course, Merry Christmas. Of course. Well, maybe she, maybe she wouldn't say Merry Christmas. I don't know. Maybe that's not enough. She would have said, of course, and let's celebrate this wonderful event, blah, blah, blah. But no, she actually more news by refusing to actually support the guy. Look, the guy's policies haven't worked. His economic policies haven't worked. I need to show you this clip. We, we caught a little bit of it earlier with Charles, but I need you this clip of an actress who's just tired of working so hard, right? She's tired. She makes a lot of money. She was like a hit star on that show, Empire. She makes a lot of money, but she's getting kind of frustrated because it seems that the government is taking and taking and taking, and she's tired so hard. You know, unfortunately, it is about work, right? Even in that. Up. Let's play this one. Are you thinking about it? Um, mm. Mm. I'm just tired of working so hard, being gracious at what I do, getting paid a fraction of the cost. I'm tired of hearing my sister say the same thing over and over. Um, you get tired. I hear people go, you work a lot. Yeah. Well, have to. The math ain't mathing. And when you start working a lot, you know, you have a team. Big bills come with what we do. We don't do this alone. The yeah. fact that we're up is a whole entire team behind That's us. Right. Yeah. They have to get paid. So when you hear someone saying, oh, such and such made $10 million, no, that's not, that, that didn't make it to their account. Mm. Know that off the top, okay. Uncle Sam is getting 50%. That's right. Okay? Mm. So do the math. Now we have $5 million. Your team is getting 30% or whatever your team is getting off okay. of what you you're your business, not lady, after your business. what Uncle Sam took. Now do the math. Mm. So... I'm just saying I'm, I'm, I'm only human and, and mm -hmm. it seems every time I do something and I break another glass ceiling, when it's time to renegotiate, I'm at the bottom again mm -hmm. like I never mm -hmm. did what I just did mm -hmm. and I'm just tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. I get that. I get that. Okay. Where yeah. is, so the know? answer is you need to vote Republican. Okay, you're tired. You're tired of giving so much money away to Uncle Joe, Uncle Sam, and the system. You're a business owner. Yes, you have to pay your team members. You're a business owner, okay? And yes, you got to give money to Uncle Sam. If you don't like it, then you ought to be voting for somebody else. And I think black Americans are starting to realize this. I mean, over and over again, you look at some of the statistics coming out of Baltimore with the kids, like they can't even add or subtract or read. It's, it's devastating. And these communities have been served for decades now by Democrats who are all in it for themselves, but don't actually give back to the people in any way, shape, or form. And that is fundamentally wrong. And yet this is what's happened. What do you think stuff is all about? Diversity, equity, inclusion. Not about being a meritocracy, just about giving a handout because of the color of your skin. What, I'm to assume because of the color of your skin that you're not as talented and therefore I have to give you a handout? Is that what happened with Claude Gay, ladies and gentlemen, at Harvard University? Harvard University choosing a woman, a black woman, to become the president of that university because according 
to Alan Dershowitz, who we spoke the other day with, the Harvard Law professor. She checked a whole bunch of boxes. Well, it turns out there's a few problems. One major problem is that she just discovered the First Amendment, literally, on October 7th, because somehow it's fine to go after Jews and to recite that heinous chant there on college campuses, including Harvard. But no, you know, you can't make anybody feel uncomfortable because maybe you misgender them, use the wrong pronoun. You know, somebody who looks like a boy but wants to identify as they, well, oh my goodness, you know, you can get disciplinary action for that. But you can you can recite this chant. I mean, come on. Talking about double standards. The other thing that's interesting about Claudine Gay is we've got news today, news today that Congress is now calling for an investigation into Claudine Gay's alleged plagiarism. You see, there's really strict rules about plagiarism, especially at some of these schools like Harvard University. You can get thrown out, you see, if you don't actually attribute your ideas to those who originally came up with the ideas. There's a black conservative scholar named Carol Swain, and she has been uh, pretty upset about this. She wrote an article in the Wall Street Journal just the other day because it seems that her original ideas sort of socioeconomic ideas on the black population in America, they were taken and then corrupted by Claudine Gay. And by the way, it's alleged that Claudine Gay did all this without ever making any citation to the fact that that the other one, Carol, had come up with the ideas. I asked Alan Dershowitz, who's the law professor associated with the school for more than 60 years, about this very issue. I want you to hear what he had to say. Harvard is selective in its attack on plagiarism, and that's why there needs to be an outside investigation of these charges. Some of the charges against her are not valid. Um, she did cite uh, the person, although quoted them without putting quotation marks, that's a minor offense. But if it's true that she lifted whole ideas without giving credit at all, that's serious. And that's why we need an outside investigation. It's not going to happen in Harvard. Nobody in Harvard is going to criticize uh, gay. There are probably four of us who are w- willing to stand up to her in the whole faculty. And um, but so so what's needed is people from outside, objective, neutral scholars looking through this and making the same evaluation they would make if a student did this. Certainly, the president of Harvard should at least be held to the standards that Harvard holds its own students to. Boom. Bingo. Thank you, Alan exactly what's needed an independent investigation and you know what it's not saying much for women or for blacks if that doesn't happen because it's somehow given her a pass given her a pass that nobody else would actually ever stand a shot at getting i mean the white woman at upenn she wasn't given a pass she said the same kind of junk that claudine gay said when she was questioned by elise stefanik in congress just the other day Her testimony was lousy. And guess what happened? The board fired her like on the spot. She was fired within some 36 hours of that testimony. But of course, that was the white woman. I guess she was expedient. She could go. Claudine, on the other hand, she gets to live another day, except until, of course, Christopher Rufo 
did a little bit of reporting. He's somebody who uh, has been sort of a crusader against this DEI stuff in education. And he went back and looked at some of her work, her academic work. And if you go back to the early 1990s, before anybody had the software, right, to discover all this plagiarism, what they found was she lifted entire ideas, or this is what it's alleged, and marketed them as her own. And so that's against the rules at Harvard. And yet she's the president of Harvard. And so will the board do anything? Obviously it should. Obviously it should. And you ought to be asking this question right now because I know you work hard. I know I work hard. That actress lady that we just heard from, she works hard too. You know what? We all ought to be asking the question, why is it that Harvard University, which has more in its endowment than the GDP of some nations, why is it that our federal taxpayer dollars, our hardworking money, that we, we pay tax. Why does it go to Harvard? Why does it go to Harvard? They've got plenty of money. I mean, hey, you know, if you want to jump on the Bernie Sanders socialist bandwagon, then you know, Harvard, you can take care of yourself. In fact, Harvard, maybe you should be giving a little bit back to the rest of us. Thank you very much. Harvard University, with this woman who is accused now, this is a pretty big charge, of plagiarism, and just looked the other way when a kid was harassed badly on campus. A kid who didn't deserve that, who was presumed to be Jewish. Maybe he was wearing a yarmulke. He's surrounded by some 15 or 20 pro-Palestinian protesters. And get a load of this, guys. One of them was on Harvard Law Review. And that kid doesn't get any disciplinary action. I'm sorry. What is wrong? What is wrong with our country right now? I'm going to get my Irish up. It's coming. It's coming out. (laughs) Anyway, I'm going to ask you to subscribe because I always forget to do that. And it's important that I do. It's important that you do. So I'm going to ask you to subscribe. I'm going to ask you. I'll join with Don right now. We are, what, 170? How many, Don? 174,000 now on YouTube. That is just absolutely awesome. 251,000 on Facebook. Thank you to everyone on Facebook there. And we are some 250 over on Rumble. So thank you guys for all of your support. I really mean that from the bottom of my heart. Listen, it's going to come up to all of us thinking as individuals, being original thought leaders, sticking together and getting the word out. So like this, push this, share this, all of that. Hey, Willie, wonderful news. He just subscribed today. I want to see more of you guys doing that. By the way, we also started our little team so you can join the team here on YouTube. I'd love it if you would. Don, thank you. Don, like, you're amazing. I just have to say, like, you've been here from the very beginning, and he tells me when my microphone's not working. You and Leslie, also Michael Donald, he had to go to work today. But anyway, I love seeing you guys. I love what we're doing here. It's really cool. I will be back tomorrow. Think about what I said. Think about what I said. I think it is high time that we consider actually fighting back. They're playing chess. We're playing checkers. It's time for us to channel, what's that guy? You know, the Russian chess player? Oh, I'm blanking. I know him. I know him well. He's been on my show a bunch. Um, brilliant chess player. Anyway, let, let's, let's start playing more of a high-stakes game. We may not like it, but we've got to do what's right for the future. I'll see you tomorrow.